Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. All right, this is a good one. This is a really good one today. Lou Maloney, Manager Lou, is back on the Bradford Show podcast, mm. but mm. along for the ride this time is Kurt Schilling. Uh, have you guys done a show together? You guys have done a show together, right? Yeah, on radio before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right. I, but I, never the podcast. Never this the podcast. Time. This is the first podcast this is ever. And, 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 the reason, and one of the reasons besides the fact that you guys did something that I have never done, which is play professional baseball, I am curious as a batter and as a pitcher to get both of your takes on one thing in particular, which is what happened on Sunday. I guess what happened over the weekend. So uh, I guess, Kurt, I will start with you. Um, this, the overall thought, starting with the, with the mini Machado slide, Going to what happened with Matt Barnes, what things did you have a problem with? What things didn't you have a problem with? What was your overall takeaway? Well, first off, let me be very clear about something. There was absolutely zero intention on Manny Machado's part to hurt Dustin Pedroia. None. Zero. Now, I, and what, now having said that, there's two, there's two uh, paths that I would follow as a pitcher. Uh, number one, uh, if I would talk to Dustin, make sure he's all right. And if he asked me to drill somebody, I would. Otherwise, move on. There, there was no intent. None. And watch the highlight over and over again. First of all, it's not the way Manny plays the game. Secondly, he wasn't trying to spike him. His foot popped up. It wasn't a great slide. I get that. You can be pissed all you want, but it wasn't intentional. So to make, here's the thing. The second you take this stuff as a pitcher into your own hands, you either, A, are sending a message everybody knows you're going to send, or, B, you put your team in a very precarious position because you're going to get suspended and somebody's going to be short a pitcher. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm with you at second base. You know, I the game right now at second. I don't I don't know what to feel. I have a tough time getting upset at a base runner for trying to make contact with a second baseman. I just I just feel like that that never should have been taken out of the game in the first place. I thought Petey was 100 percent correct saying the rule was in, put in place because of people who have pro- 
improper footwork. Bad footwork can't turn to. That's why it's in there to protect those people. I'm with you. I don't think Machado intended to hit the guy. But, you know, the end result was a spike. And like you said, if people have a problem with it, and they should, then you should hit somebody. But you have to do it correctly, Shill. You know, some guys are comfortable with it. Others aren't. You cannot go near the head. you got to hit him in the hip. Erod missed him. That was probably the biggest problem is that Erod missed the guy. But right. Barnes gotta, didn't try to hit him intentionally in the head, but you got to execute it, bottom line. Right. Well, here's the thing. You have to be able to do it in a place, in a situation where you're not going to cost your team. Now, now th- there are certain things that you want the world to know. If, somebody's, if, if, if I'm going to hit somebody to protect a teammate, then I'm, I'm clearly planning on being suspended for six days and all the things go with that. And, and, and that becomes one of the challenges is, Here's the thing, Lou. You play him 18 or 19 times a year. You'll have your chance. Mm-hmm. So it, now, now it, again, if it was a dirty barrel roll and he tried to break his knee or break his leg, then hey, you know what? Petey would have fought him right there, number one. But number two, you, but that's not what happened. It was a slide where he caught him with the spike. It wasn't intentional. If you're going to get him back, and clearly, I, my my understanding is watching Petey. He didn't tell anybody to do anything. So, so you know, and, and hey, kudos, Matt Barnes is sticking up for his teammate. That's great. But you have to pick your spots, number one. And number two, it's the big leagues. If you're going to drill somebody, drill them. Yeah, Don't well, throw behind them. Don't throw around them. Don't go above the shoulders. Drill them. And, you know, I also think that, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I always think if you want to get it over with, do it right away. Now, the problem was that Saturday, Stephen Wright was on the mound, right? right. And as the relievers came in, it was a 4-2 to two game. So th- that might have been the right spot. It's just that Erod probably had the no. right opportunity. He missed him. Erod missed, missed him early him. in the game. Right, but here's the thing. Again, if you if, if Erod's opportunity got passed, uh, you'll see them 15 more yeah, times. Yeah, then you got to move on. There'll be a 12 nothing game. There'll be a game you're down eight, whatever. Pick your spot because I don't think those things should ever overrule winning a ball game. And, and you know, and listen, if you're in last place and it's, August or September, that's fine. You want to send a message, I get it. But this was a – he didn't mean to spike him, number one. But, again, that some guys don't care, and that's fine. Chill, this is and, what – you know, I want to ask you, because as a pitcher, you know, you, you can dot an outside corner, you can throw in when you want to, but when you have to hit a guy, have you, been, have you seen guys, like, you know, play with guys that just aren't able to do it? They can hit a glove, yeah. but they, they can't hit a guy. And if, if that's the case – then you just, I, I'm not comfortable doing this. Have somebody else right. drill him. I'll try, but I'm going to miss. Right, but you, but, but think about uh, there's no pitcher on the planet with any common sense that would ever say something like that in the clubhouse. I mean, it, 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 it's here's the thing. The, the place you want to hit somebody, I try to teach young pitchers this. I, if I'm going to hit you, I want to hit you in the armpit because you don't forget that one for a couple weeks. And, and the fact was, I threw the ball 97, so I could hit you in the general area and make it hurt. I remember Tim Wakefield having a couple of situations where, you know, somebody got thrown at or somebody did something, and it was like, Wakey, don't even bother, dude. Right. Just, just throw your knuckleball. Don't worry about it because everybody's going to laugh if you throw at somebody. So please just don't do it. Who have you hit in the armpit? I, I see you've hit Galarraga four times, Alfonso yeah. two times, Lopez yeah. two times. You haven't hit actually a lot of guys because, no. because by the way, you're probably one of the best control pitchers of all time. Well, so but, how many guys have you hit in the armpit? I, most of the guys I hit, I hit. I, I hit very few guys I didn't try to hit. Um, and if you look at Galarraga's numbers and Alfonso's numbers, they were never very good against me um, because I had 
I was I had a I didn't have enough of Pedro in me, uh, but I had a little. And and there were some guys that uh, that that I did that too. But you know, I never never went above the shoulder. I I, I went for the arm. Like I said, ask anybody. Uh, it, getting hit by a, a baseball uh, underneath the arm in the armpit to the side of the ribs is something the ribs you don't suck. Really forget. Yeah. So I'll ask, so I'm curious. I'm going to ask each of you this scenario because you can come up from different sides. How does this play out? So this aside, how does this play out? A guy in Lou, have you ever been hit and they say we want retribution for hitting Lou Merloni? Well, yeah, but usually it doesn't matter. They no. drill me. Everyone's like, yeah, hey, whatever. Yeah, but still, you're <laughs> going to hit no more. They're going to hit Manny. Right, you're, okay, so <laughs> but you know, you, you know from the hitter's perspective. And so, so, Shill, how does this play out in terms of well, in the clubhouse? I can tell you this. I can tell you this. If I'm pitching for the Baltimore Orioles, I'm planting one on on Betts or Bogarts at some point this year, because this was there was no reason for this to get to here. My my player wasn't trying to hurt your player, and it was very obvious he wasn't trying to hurt your player. Now, if you're going to be a dick about it, then you know what? You go ahead and play the game with me. Cause, and that was the thing. I threw the ball 97 or 98, so most guys didn't want to play tit for tat with me or Randy Johnson or Pedro. You know, so 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 don't play. I, and, and I got to tell you, I played. I tried to play the game right, so I never caught myself in a situation like this. I had when I was a young pitcher. I had I had a, Darren Dalton, my first year in Philadelphia, told me to drill Ray Langford for a for a for a dirty hit at home plate that Langford gave Dalton a year two years before that. I was like, uh, okay, I guess whatever. Well, well you all know, say this. I don't think I, very rarely is it just a rogue pitcher. There, there's always communication. Yeah, there's who order, that's my question. Who orders whether the code it's, red? I'm just saying whether it's a pitching coach or the starting pitcher relievers that are like, hey, you all right? Yeah, you want to take care of it. And usually it's yeah. Just, if you're gonna do it, do it the right way. You know, do it in the right spot. Like you said, don't don't cost us a game, but do it right. the right way. There's usually communication with this. Well, I got to tell you, um, the first time I ever met Dustin Pedroia, I was rehabbing in AAA. And the first inning, and I was starting the game, and in the top of the first, uh, somebody for the Indianapolis team drilled Dustin, and he came back to the bench, and I said, and, and I said, okay, well, who do you want me to get? He's like, what do you, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to hit somebody, so you need to tell me who it, it needs to be. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, well, that's how this is supposed to work. I don't give a shit if I'm on rehab. I'm on rehab. I, I, that's who I, you know. And so he gave me a guy, and I drilled him. I mean, that, that's just. It's a very – if the players were allowed to police the game themselves, it would be a lot cleaner. If, the, only, the only rule they ever needed to make was if you leave the batter's box, you're suspended for a month. Or if you leave the mound to go towards home plate, you're suspended for a month. If they did that, everybody could take care of themselves. So I want to go back, and I'm going to get back to the actual Barnes execution of it, but – you, you both said, I think, that the slide wasn't a dirty one, right? Both of nope. you? No, okay. the intent right. was and, to and, injure. And, and I agree. I don't think the intent was to injure either. But my problem was, is that, and, and I look at this as sort of A-Rod. A-Rod would always do stupid stuff. And right. like he would just be a little off, whether it's calling for the pop-up or is walking right. over the pitcher's mound. To me, that kind of, this kind of falls under that, where, yeah, you know, this slide has happened in the past, but still, you're raising your spikes on the other side of the bag. It's just... no. But he didn't. Oh, he, he did? He raised his spike. No, he didn't. It's... If you watch the slide, his foot bounced. He didn't go in spikes high. He was trying to slide into second. And if you look at his foot, it bounced, and it, it barely went over the bag. I, again, there's a difference. Spikes high is dirty. 
Right. I, and I, I don't think I don't think he was being dirty. I don't think. Yeah, he but the was bottom being line, dirty. Rob, to your, to your point, like there's a lot of things that are on the field. You know, whether A Rod does it or not, or whether it's Machado right. slide or not, if a respected teammate feels you know they were bothered by it and they think that somebody yep. should be Which repaid they were by clearly, it, well, they were then, clearly bothered then, by this. You know this, what? Right? Then, then that's all that matters. I mean, whether my, the rest yeah. of the world agrees with it or not. Guys, one of my biggest takeaways from that night was how they reacted because it was Pedroia. And you heard, you saw Bogarts very emotional after the game. You saw the players, a lot of the players, including the managers and the coaches, lining up at the dugout, staring out yep. at the field. That was, correct me if I'm wrong, that was because it was Pedroia. Well, that, here's the thing, guys. It, Lou just said it. It doesn't matter. Mm-mm. If I'm wearing the uniform, I don't care what you think in the media. I don't care what anybody thinks. The only thing I care about is what my teammates think. And if my teammate thinks that something dirty happened, then you know what? The next inning or the next game, I'll, I'll take care of it. No worries. Because the last thing in the world you want to do is not have the respect of your teammates. And you lose your teammates' respect. I watched Andy Bennis do that. I watched Andy Bennis lose the respect of his entire team when he was with the San Diego Padres by not throwing at me. Yeah, and you know, and with that, uh, listen, we all, I think, love the way Dustin Pedroia plays the game, but what the hell he was doing with Manny Machado to me, I, I don't understand that one, Shill, because it seemed to me like he was more concerned with, Manny, don't be mad at me, that right. wasn't me, that should have been handled privately, he should have right. privately aired out Matt Barnes for not executing it the right way, but publicly had his teammates back and then privately handled it with Machado, I don't like him going out publicly saying, Manny, please don't be mad at me. No, you know what? I, I think, again, Dustin is a leader from a playing perspective. I, I don't see him as a guy who stands up in the clubhouse and gives speeches. He never was that kind of he, – he's a kind of a lead-by-example kind of guy. That's a situation as a, pit, as a player where either A, Chris Sale, I guarantee you, probably went up to him and said something. But B, I would, I would expect the player to say, go into the pitcher's meeting and say, listen, guys, you know, let it go. I'll take care of it or whatever. Um, but ultimately, you, you, you'd like to handle that stuff behind closed doors just because now there looks like a disjointed level of communication because clearly the pitching staff was doing something they weren't asked to do by the player. Um, but, but I don't know. I, I didn't see how it started. If Manny was chirping across the field that Dustin just started, Dustin's like, dude, I didn't do anything. No, Petey actually whistled to him yeah. on deck to get his attention to let him know. And, and my, my takeaway uh, from it was, I agree with you. I, I agree that this should be handled in closed doors. I think it was because it was the head thing. And and Pedroia didn't want to be lumped in any way, shape, or form. You got time to deal with that. No, I, 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 I understand that. This is the immediate reaction of, I don't want to be uh, associated with anybody throwing at anybody's head. But I agree with you. I agree with both of you. That well, this should thing. be handled behind closed doors. The beautiful thing about this is no matter how bad the message was today, the message is now around baseball that if you mess around with someone on the Red Sox roster, they're not afraid to throw at you. So, so, so you know, what it does, it, 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 <laughs> well, here's the thing. It doesn't really – the message got out, whether they wanted to send it or not, that, you know, we don't play like that. And if you're going to play like that against us, then we have a problem. And, you know – uh, that's that's the message you want to and get out to some degree. Of course, it's nice to have everybody throwing 95-plus, too. That well, that's helps. exactly right. Like I said, <laughs> if, if, if Stephen Wright is the only guy you don't want on the mound in a game like but this it, because it, if he throws the ball at somebody, somebody's catching it and throwing it back at him. Well, and guys, is also, and you guys would know better than I, but to me, some guys just aren't going to be good at this. And we saw Barnes no. isn't good at this. You look at everything about that, how it was executed, Vasquez setting up on the outside part of the plate. So whatever. That's how it's done. Lou and I talked about that. 
But then a ninety mile an hour pitch, which isn't you know isn't his normal fastball, and right. it's it's well, not executed well. And and Erod, you know, by the way, not being able to execute it earlier in the game. They did exactly the opposite of what you do. You set up inside, so I'm throwing the ball inside, and the ball gets away inside. When you set up off the plate away and you throw the ball behind the guy, you might as well just stand up before the pitch and go, hey, listen, I'm going to throw this at you, so let's just go ahead and get it over with. Yeah, that kind of hurts the defense saying, well, we got to pitch him in. I mean, when you look at the scouting right. report and you see right. Vasky setting up on the outside corner, well, what exactly happened there? Well, let me ask you this, guys, as well. After the game, you have Farrell saying that. You have Farrell saying – Well, they have to. Part, part of the, no, so that's what I want to ask you. Barnes kind of going down the same road. Have you ever, ever seen in all these situations where anyone breaks into a mode of honesty and said, yeah, no. Cole Hamels. Or, or, or is it? Bryce yeah, Hopper. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's a good the one. openly admitted hitting on purpose. But most of the time, yeah. it's understood we are going to find an explanation for this no matter what. I remember, I was looking this up uh, today. Remember when Beckett threw over the head of Abreu when he stepped out of the batter's box in 2009? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean like he, like back oh, of course not. Of course well you have not. to because when they give you a three or four game suspension, right. you can just take your why even show up for your appeal if you're admitting it after the no, game? You're trying to reduce it one game if anything. I know, but there's ways of admitting it and not admitting yeah. it. And I mean so I guess what I'm asking is what is the code there? So there's two ways to go about it. One is no oh, the pitch got away from me and the other one is anything else. Yeah. That there's there's no the the pitch either gets away from and here's the other piece. Umpires suck, and they are—they are—they do not like the fact that they're being asked to judge intent. Because I've seen umpires throw pitchers out for the for for things you know are not blatantly obvious. But but after the game, it's it that, well they moved the suspension for pitchers to six days for starting pitchers, which was what they needed to do. But it's a, hey, you know what? It, either well, you know, pitch just got away from me, or 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 hey, just move on to the next question. I don't need to answer that. Yeah, and, and it's kind of crap, too, because it's almost, you know, the pitcher comes out and says, it got away from me. We all know it didn't. Bar- Barnes is going to be suspended. I mean, they've suspended four or five guys in the past for missing, uh, just throwing the ball up in the head area. But it almost seems like if you openly admitted it, then they would give you more when everybody knows that it was, a, especially well, a situation like this, that it was intent. The only time I've seen it in the last couple of years where I thought it was just ridiculous was when Dempster hit A-Rod. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. He used two days to set that one up, too. That was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. Yeah. Well, how about the, you know, sometimes hitters get, get, I mean, the the preeminent example of hitters thinking that someone's going to throw at them, and I don't know if they are, is maybe Manny. Manny in the playoffs. Waiting for Clemens to hit Right, yeah. I mean, the the ball was like, oh, if it was lower, it would have been a strike. Right? Right. So... Anyway, so well, guys are going to the box expecting to get hit. Anything well, close, was, they're ready to snap. And, 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 Shill, you know Buck Showalter also. And Here's the other, go ahead. You, you, you got to remember, Rob, that one of the things that I know Lou and I can both tell you, and it, it does have to do with playing, is you, got, you cannot replicate the adrenaline. We're competing. We're competing. Now, we might – how many times have uh, – I can tell you I did it a billion times. After a game when I'm being interviewed, it's 10 minutes after the game, I'm still emotional. When I'm on the field and something happens, I might misinterpret it, but I'm not going to sit back and go, oh, you know what, let me think about that for a second. I'm going to react as, a, as an athlete, as a competitor, and then you know, I'll look back on it and go, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. It, but when you're talking about spur of the moment, you're talking about heat of the moment stuff, guys tend to react differently. And you know, going back to that Clemens-Manny thing, sometimes the fear – 
of of being hit. The, the pitcher, <laughs> yep. the, you, I'm sure you've used that in the past because it was like yep. that. Like Clemens, we're waiting for him to respond. Yeah, Galarraga, Galarraga by the way, for the guy who you hit four times, show. 120 for its career against him. Well, I'm just saying, like, yeah. for, sometimes the guys will go up there and they think he's going to drill me, he's going to drill me. Meanwhile, you look up and you blink and it's 0-2, and you're yep. like, Jesus, he's trying to strike my ass out, right? And so you, you know, the guys can use it. You can tell uh, when a hitter's up there anticipating just by their approach and just their body language. I had guys that I know were at the plate thinking, oh, my God, I- I'm done here. And it was 0-2 before yeah. they were like, wait. Wait, hold on. Is, is, is this actually in a bat now? You know the amazing thing, she lost in this whole thing was that after Manny got back in the plate and Joe Kelly was up with those 100, the softest 100 you'll ever see, but 100, he takes the first pitch, a hanging slider, and laces it in the gap. How that man offered at that slider and didn't just take because he didn't know if it was over or not, like not knowing if he can get wow. drilled or not. He, first That's what Showalter said after the game. He called yeah. him courageous. That was impressive. Yes. I would go well, courageous. That's, I know that's courageous. Why, to be that's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's an approach that not a lot of people can take. He's confident enough in his ability to get out of the way, number one. And number two, he's up there to hit. If I get hit, I'll go to first base. He's not afraid. The last that's a guy, that's the guy that, will, that will beat up on the inside part of the plate. Last question along these lines. You guys both know Showalter. What's he doing? I mean, what's... Well, even before this, with the show Walter Red Sox stuff, it seemed I, we loved it, but it seemed a little bizarre. Uh, and yeah. now, now he's now this is like this is like this is like catnip for him. Yep, uh, Bucks. First of all, let me just say this: I absolutely one of my favorite people in the world, and one of my favorite people ever to play for. Uh, he, he's a phenomenal manager. He's learned over since he was in Arizona in, in 2002. I think the one thing he learned was how to be a part of the team, how to communicate with his guys. He will find a way, one of two things. If he believes they were wronged, he'll fix it. And number two, if he doesn't believe they were wronged, he'll say, you guys do what you need to do. But he won't get in the middle. He used to be a meddler, uh, no more. But he, you know what? He dislikes Boston because of, you know, they're the, the, next to the Yankees. Who else should, would you hate in the AL East other than, than, than Boston and the success, though? You know, it's natural, and it, he plays into it. You know, I, I compare, Buck, what you're seeing now to, like, you know, Joe Madden back remember when he first took over the Rays, not oh, the yeah, Devil Rays? Yeah, yeah. And that first year where he got fights in spring training, he's going at it with the Yankees. He's trying to kind of show his team that he won't be bullied by the big Boston right. Red Sox with no, $200 million. That, yes, Yeah, I talked to him. He, he was yeah. very clear a couple of years ago. He's like, I don't care what your payroll is. We're here to kick your ass. And, and if you beat us, I want you to limp away knowing you played us. It's a message he's trying to send his team, just Absolutely. like Joe did back in the day when the Rays got good. Why, why have you guys here? One last thing, and this has nothing to do with what we were talking about, but the, the Chris Sale, not taking Chris Sale, or taking Chris Sale out the other day, bringing in Craig Kimbrell, part of this equation that I was thinking about, Shell, was you might get into an uncomfortable pitch count with Chris Sale. That was part of the narrative. And I always remember back in April of 2006 when you threw 133 pitches uh, against the Indians, right? Correct? Right. Okay. Right. And then you had a couple of bad starts. Uh, it wasn't immediately after, but you had a little bit of a bad run, and I don't right. know if that was a cause of it or whatever. I guess what I'll ask is, and I'll ask you both, is in terms of that scenario, does that factor in? Should that factor in at all when you're talking about Chris Sale? It's because I, I'll just say what I thought. I thought you get a guy on that type of run, you leave him in. Well, let's be very clear about something. The game has changed because the, your number one comes out when he tells you he's ready to come out or when he's getting hit out. 
you, you know, I, I, I got, I hope, and I would imagine there's an open line of communication that if Chris Sale wanted to stay in that game, he was staying in that game. Well, I'll interrupt you real quick. It was bizarre to me when I talked to Carl Willis after the game that he found Chris Sale in the, in the clubhouse dining room. And you guys know in Toronto where that is. That's about as far away He's as hiding. you possibly could. I honestly do believe he was hiding. Because he didn't want to come out. Right, exactly. Yes. Really? I, I, yeah, well, no. Yeah. But see, here, here's the thing. I was, I was raised in baseball that I'm going to fight you. No, 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 you're not taking me out. If you, if you try to take me out, there'll be two pitchers on the mound because I'm going out there. And, and that's gone, though. That, 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 that approach is, is – you don't see guys – listen – I hear I, – I can't tell you how many times I hear, uh, you know, hey, he's done after six. What a great job. Six innings, five hits, two runs, and four strikes. I'm thinking to myself, wow, what the, the, the term good job is taken on a very different meaning these days because as a number one and, – and this is my, my impression of number ones. As a number one, the most important statistic that I have is innings pitch because if I, if I go 35 starts and pitch 245 innings, that's that's what a number one does. Did that start in April back in 2006? In hindsight, I know you at the time you said it had no effect on on your little no. bit of a downturn. You didn't think it had any effect at no. all. No, no. Number one, no, and number two, I would never admit it because that would make Buckley feel like he was. Actually <laughs> right. You know, I, I go back to like stressful stuff. It wasn't stressful for him. He was mowing them down. I would have sent him back out there. This yeah. is a, we've talked about this before, Rob. With with Sale, I think it was early too. Building relationships. Mm-hmm. He's a new pitcher in a new organization, building trust. And to me, and I don't know if, if Chris Sale wanted to finish that game, you have to let him finish it because in April sometimes you're forming relationships is just as well, important as what happens the, in that game. Here's the other thing. Uh, the, the number has gotten to be more than it is. In the set, and I say this for this reason. I can throw 102 pitches in a 7 nothing game, and it feels like 60. And right. I can throw 90 pitches in a 1 nothing game, and it feels like 145. The game dictates the pressure of the pitch count. And, and you know, so maybe that was a fact. I don't know. But, but – uh, my it's, number one is out there till he tells me he's out or till he gets his. Yeah, my my guess it doesn't happen in June and July. I think this is lesson learned. I I, yeah. I, I just I can't imagine this happens in June and July. Yeah, and, and if it does, by I the way, with, Chris Sale is come, not as diplomatic. Right. I, I come back and say, what's okay? So if he throws 114 pitches instead of 102, that's going to be a problem because he was dealing. Yeah, he was dealing. Yeah, but I, hey, you know what though? I will tell you this: the first thought after that is, as a manager, my job is to manage my rotation. I want my starting pitchers to feel as good as they can feel for those four days in between starts. There was no downside to Chris Sale coming out in the. He pitched his butt off. He feels good about how he pitched. They ended up winning the game anyway, so it's it's a no lose. No, and, I, I think and, you know what it was. It's a good debate, right? This is like the classic because right. Kimbrel was throwing. He was lights right. out against Tampa Bay, so you can understand why you'd want to bring in Craig Kimbrel. It's just to well, me, after but, the but game, again, I don't think John does himself any favors when he says, "I want no, somebody no, no. powerful and fresh." And he blamed it on a delay. You know, a ninety-second right. delay is one of the reasons. He should just come well, out and say, "You know what? I made a decision. Kimbrel was throwing great. What's the big deal?" It's a really underestimated point, but you're. You, you know how starting pitchers are. With four days in between starts, it's 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 almost like being a pinch hitter. Lou is a position player when you when you play and don't play. When you go zero for four on Sunday and you don't get to play till next Sunday, it's a miserable week. Right. And and so starting pitchers are very much the same. He's going through the four days between starts. He's feeling sexy. He's feeling good about himself as he should. And then he goes into his next start with a good head. All right, Shill. Anything you want to promote? 
No, I, I just did a pilot with uh, Jen Royal uh, mm. of a sports show that's going to be showing up on TV pretty soon. So nice. I'm fired up about it. I like yeah, that. Nice. Lou, anything yeah. you want to promote? No, I got nothing going on. All right, all right guys. <laughs> awesome job. I really appreciate right, it, Chill. Thanks. All right, all right guys. All right. Later. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. We all remember that one professor, the one everyone on campus had to take no matter what subject they taught because how much fun their class was. What if we told you there was a streaming service that had all those professors? One Day University has every must-have professor from the best colleges all across the country. One Day University, the most fun talks from the most fun professors. Available live and on demand. No homework, just the most fun you'll have while learning. Get a special offer at onedayu.com slash odyssey.